This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. I really do love this topic about how you can successfully grow an agency and have work-life integration. I have something to share that kind of happened for me personally yesterday that will highlight why this is so important for me personally and for me to share with you um, to help you achieve this kind of full work-life integration. I'm going to dive into this topic and share what even this means. So why am I saying integration in the first place? This was my big theme for, it was actually supposed to be last year, but with COVID, it kind of shifted. But my big theme for the year for myself and to try to um, bring to the group was about work-life integration. Because we're not using the word balance. Balance is unattainable. Um, some of the things we see online about like these perfectly curated lives and women that run businesses and their family life is impeccable and they throw Pinterest parties and give me a thumbs up if you know the type. Um, I happen to be a very, very creative person. I love crafts. I love all of that. But there, I'm not throwing Pinterest parties. That's just not what I'm going to be doing. I have better uses of my time. I'd rather sit and do a craft with my kids one-on-one on a weekend, spend time with them or bake something. I'm not like putting it out there that everything is perfect. But we use the word work-life integration because balance is kind of unattainable. And when you strive for that, it's really not even ever possible. That uh, implies equilibrium. We're not going to get that. Sometimes work demands more of you. Sometimes your personal life demands more of you. Um, And so I look at it like integration. So the other thing too, just the last point on balance and why I don't use it is because I believe that it sets you up for disappointment, for feeling less than, because it's an unattainable standard. So if you're not perfectly balanced, then you're a failure. You know, no, that's not what I want for myself or for anybody that I support in their businesses. I want you to feel like you are creating a business that will support the kind of life that you want to live. To me, that's work-life integration, and that's my goal, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So why is having work-life integration so important? Um, You know, we're going to talk about setting boundaries and creating a vision for your life and your business. And if you don't have these things in place or don't have an awareness or clue of what you're working towards, you're going to end up burnt out, unhappy, um, unhappy as the leader of your business, unhappy as the CEO of your PR agency. And I know this to be true because this is how I run my business. You don't have to kill yourself to be successful. You shouldn't have to work all hours of the day and night and on the weekend responding to clients at the drop of a hat. You absolutely should not. Um, And you don't have to do everything all the time in order to find success. You don't have to 
offer all the services or say yes to everything that clients or prospective clients are asking you for um, or being available at all times. I have said this before. I haven't been bothered by a client really after hours or on weekends in years, like de like a decade longer. I've been running my business for 16 years. I had one client that would just message me all hours, day and night, and my heart would just jump out of my chest. Like, what did she need? Why was she upset? Um, you know, what what is she disappointed in me for? And it was like this horrible, like gaslighting, terrible relationship. And one day I had the realization you know what? If this client goes away, my business will still be fine. I will still be fine. And that work for one reason or another after 11 years, finally, we just kind of grew and went our separate ways. And it was the best thing that ever happened. I like triple our, I tripled our rates. That's another discussion altogether, all about niching down and leaning into your expertise. But I promise you, you do not have to agree to be bashed and battered. Um, you're in charge of how you want your business to feel. So have your clients match that feeling. You know, we work with really cool, really nice clients, um, appreciate the work we do. And you can tell we have all kinds of content inside the agency accelerator around like red flag clients and what to look for, um, you know, like how to charge your rates, which also has like a kind of secondary effect that attracts better clients when you have a higher retainer. So you have to have clear boundaries and it'll help you um, be more efficient and effective and you'll avoid burnout. Um, so do you have a clear vision for what you want your ideal work-life integration to look like? You have to have a clear vision for what you want your ideal work-life integration to look like. So is it spending time with your significant other, having the flexibility to uh, live your best mom life? And I'll dive into this, having time to travel um, between running your business and being a parent. Um, no matter what you love, having real work-life integration lets you prioritize it. And having time for the things that matter most to you, at least for me, that is my definition of success. And that should be your definition of success. Um, so I'll kind of share a little bit about my story and how I got here. And my hope is not to be like, here's all about me. It's to show you the uh, kind of like mental shifts and transformations that I went through. Um, how I redefined success for me and what that did in my life um, and where I am now and why this is especially important and relevant to me right now, okay? So many of you know that I was an attorney. So around the age of 27, I started dating my husband and I was still practicing law and I started thinking about my future. You know, it was kind of clear we had this amazing connection and I wasn't entirely ready to stop dating. I was like out on the town in L.A. and I had my own place and was making good money so I could like go out and do what I wanted to do when I had time, which was very rare because I worked so much at my law firm, um, crazy billable hours. But I met my husband and I was like, OK, this guy's different, you know, 
And so I started thinking about my future. And one thing I'll suggest to you is when you want to do something, you want to accomplish something in your life, find somebody who's done what you want to do and then have them mentor you or ask them, you know, how they can support you or do what they did, follow their steps, which is why we created all of these resources so that people have like a roadmap to get where they want to go. Okay. But I started looking around to see if there were any role models, any female role models that had the kind of life that I wanted. Like a woman who was partner at my law firm, who had kids, and she was able to be present in their life. Um, and started what I started to realize was that the path that I was on was not going to lead me to the life that I wanted. It was really apparent to me, and I'm telling you, this was like 16, 17 years ago. I know it's been a long time. I'm coming up on my 20-year law school reunion later this month, 2001. Crazy. Oh, my God. Crazy. Um, I, you know, I just knew that if I was going to make partner, which was the goal when you're at a law firm, that if I had kids, I would be paying somebody else to raise them. I would probably not be able to attend their daytime school activities or be room mom or go to their, you know, their sporting events or whatever, um, because that's what I saw. These women became moms and then they either were phased out or, um, you know, they were on part time schedule, kind of phased out over time or they were partners and they never saw their children or they didn't have children. And I grew up with both of my parents um, having their own careers. My mom sold real estate. She also has a master's degree in elementary education and reading improvement, which is going to be very helpful for my family right now. I'm about to get to it, okay? Um, and my dad is, is a car broker. He's always just been, at, you know, at the last 25 years or more, been self-employed. And they're around. And that is what... I always knew was like family dinners and your parents can pick you up from school and they're home when you get home from school. And I wanted that for my kids, but I'm not ever going to be a full-time mom. I can't, I just can't. That's not, I think that that's the hardest, hardest job is being a full-time stay-at-home mom. Hardest job ever, hands down. Um, I love working. I love connecting with this community. I am never going to give that up. That is a huge part of who I am. It's a huge part of how I how I feel I'm contributing in the world. I mean, I'm listening to a Jamie Kern Lima's book, um, Believe It. She's the founder of It Cosmetics. And, um, you know, she's talking right now about how you shouldn't, like, make yourself small or diminish your success. I have a vision for connecting with people all over the world. And through this content coaching community, everything we've created, I've been able to do that. And I want to change people's lives. I want to do that. And I, the feedback we get is that it's happening. And that is me living my purpose. Okay. So before I even knew that that would be on my radar, I knew I wanted to have the kind of career where I could be a present and checked in parent for my kids. Um, you know, and then I just did not see that as a possibility to have work-life integration as an attorney. So I changed it. I realized at 27, my life is my own. And 
this is my one shot in this lifetime. And all I have to do is find a path to make myself happy. I don't need to make anyone else happy. Um, the people that love me will feel happy and satisfied when I'm happy and satisfied. So as hard as it was to walk away from that career that was really time intensive to get to, really expensive, really hard to walk away from that salary. And I had a mortgage payment. I wasn't married. None of that. I gave myself six months to make this work. And I, and I did, you know, 16 years later, here we are. And in that decision, the biggest shift for me is that my number one factor for success, my definition of success is being in control of your time. And, um, you know, when I very first started out, my definition of success was like having a prestigious job, making really good money, um, something where people you would say, well, my parents could say my daughter's a lawyer and their friends would say, oh, you know, they, they understood it. Right. It was like clear that that was, you know, she must be smart. She must be making good money. You must have done something right. You know, um, and I felt like in that career, it should have been a career. For me, it was more like a job. It felt like a job. I would just go every day. I never felt like I was investing in this long-term career growth. I would just get there, do the work, didn't care, was miserable, sucked the life out of me, and leave when I could and just do my billable hours. It wasn't a career. Um, and it wasn't something I could see myself doing long-term and loving every day. And I wanted to feel happy on Monday morning to get up and go to work. Now my commute is literally like four steps up to my office. Love my office. I'm so happy here. I feel inspired. Um, you know, I am so happy and I still love my business. Um, I want to do something that I, I always wanted to do something I could do long term um, where I could feel inspired and do things that are creative, something that was a better fit for my personality. So I started my PR agency and back when I started, I struggled with boundaries and I allowed, like I said, clients to come into my world whenever they wanted to. When they said jump, I said, yes, how high? When? Now? Got it. You know, week, weekends, nights, um, I always wanted to be the most responsive. And if they emailed me nine o'clock on a Friday night, even if I was out, I had to text them back. So they knew that I was like the most responsive and giving them the best service. That's not okay. Um, when I started to put boundaries in place, that's when I started to experience true work-life integration. Okay. And I know that you deserve to have this positive work-life integration. As PR pros, we work so hard to get amazing results, provide stellar services. We're in this business where it never ends. There's just never like a stopping point, you know? And so for some of us, the stopping point is when your eyeballs feel like they're going to fall out. When we do our service, we just keep pitching and pitching and pitching. And there's always one more outlet and there's always one more pitch and there's always one more angle. And you can keep going until your eyeballs feel like they're going to fall out. You know, you can do this. You can provide amazing results, generate results for your clients and grow your business. And I believe that you need to be intentional so that you can grow your business 
that should 100% support the lifestyle that you've always wanted. You don't want your business to run you. You want your business to support your goals and bring you joy. And this is exactly what we teach inside the agency accelerator. There is a story you're telling yourself that you need to work endlessly to be successful. That's a story. And you can rewrite that story in your head. Hard work is important, absolutely. But this hustle culture gets it wrong. I promise you, that is a recipe for serious burnout. We don't have to spend every single second working for clients or trying to grow our business. You will burn out. And what good is that going to do for you or your husband, your children, your business, or the kind of work, the kind of life you want to have? Listen, if you want to feel like your work is soul sucking and you want to be stressed out and not find joy in what you're doing, why go to the effort to have your own business? Just go get a job and clock out, you know, but that's not what I want for you. I want you to experience work life integration. One of the very first things my early, one of my early mentors, um, who was the head of entrepreneurship at USC business school, I went to USC law school, my husband was in the business school. Um, But he told me less gen equals more money. And that I was at a plateau in my income until I brought in help. And I was like, but I need all the money and I don't have enough. And first of all, you have to charge enough so you can bring in support and a team to help you execute on these services. So that is going to allow you to focus on income generating activities, work on the business rather than in the business. And when you set up your agency um, and you have a team that supports you and you know how to charge for your services to be able to bring in this team that will help you execute, you're going to experience such a shift towards a more positive work-life integration. And you can work only on the things that light you up, that you're good at, that's your zone of genius, and outsource the rest. I think about this. There are things in my business that are like $10 tasks, you know, like creating graphics or not $10 tasks, but, you know, uh, $20 tasks, let's say. Is my time worth $20 an hour? Absolutely not. No freaking way. Like, and also in the agency accelerator, we teach you at the beginning how to set a goal and back into it and understand what your time is worth, what you're actually making, what your goal is and what you have to do in order to accomplish your revenue goal. Um, And I've done this with some people when they first join and they realize they are making less than minimum wage because they're not charging enough. When you work on things that light you up, you outsource the rest um, and you're attracting your dream high-end clients, you end up working with clients that you adore, that love what you're up to. They're willing to pay what you're worth. And we talk about this too, establishing this deep expertise. Clients will want to work with you because you are the go-to in your niche. And you're working in a niche you're passionate about. I work in beauty and cosmetics and baby and kids. I'm still passionate about these niches that I chose. 16 years later, I want you to love your business down the road. Okay? So in the Agency Accelerator, we walk you through the steps you need to take to have this kind of work-life integration. And what I have experienced in loving my business 15 plus years, I want you to have that too. But it's an intentional process. 
It's strategic decisions, small strategic decisions that you need to make in order to do that, like stepping stones. It's intentional. So if you're going to work all hours of the day, discount your services and be in reactive mode, like your hair's on fire all the time, like, oh my God, client email, you know, and not everything is that urgent, you know? Um, Like I said, if you feel like you are going to have to work like that in order to grow your business, just go get a job. And then at least you can have job security, you know? And at least there's a cutoff point at the end of the day. Um, But as a PR pro, you deserve to have your absolute dream vision of what your business could be in your life. Like I want that to come true for you. Um, So let me just get into this like little quick personal thing. I've never, you know, hid in the fact that I have a son who's on the spectrum. My 11-year-old son, um, it's a process. It's not like you wake up one day and your, like, kid is all the way there and then they're not there. And you're like, oh, my God, they caught autism. It's not like that. It's an evolution of discovering, of figuring out, of learning um, who to call, what to do, and it started when he was 11 months old and now he's 11 years old. I got an official diagnosis when he was five. Um, we made the decision based on all of the challenges that he was experiencing to help him out with the right medications. Some people may find that, listen, it was not an easy decision. It's not like, yeah, just you know, give my kid all the pills. It's not at all, but it has really helped us. It's helped him, it's helped him find focus and happiness. So that was a decision we made. Um, We had to sue the school district many, many years ago to get him in a special program. And that was kindergarten. He has repeated kindergarten and now he's in fifth grade. So he's 11. He should be going into sixth grade. And we have a psychiatrist, a psychologist, an occupational therapist. We have group therapy, group therapy. social emotional therapy for him he sees a therapist at school he gets adaptive pe um, and he gets resource but we're in a public school district the pandemic was a complete nightmare for all of us absolutely with distance learning for my son it was the literal worst possible learning environment for him he has adhd he has anxiety um And he really fell behind. He really struggled. And he also had a teacher that was not empathetic in any way. So um, we have been on this evolving process of finding the right team. And I've mentioned this before because I am 100% certain that if I was still a litigator doing billable hours and this was my family situation, we would not have caught it. I noticed because I was in a mommy and me playgroup at 11 months old that my son was missing milestones. You know, he's not pulling up. He's not, when I go in his room, he's not sitting up in his crib. I set him down, he doesn't move. He has, you know, he doesn't try to go for toys. Um, He doesn't sit up, he doesn't pull to standing, he's not crawling. I knew, I knew it and I trusted my instincts as a mom, I knew it. And we had him tested and he was delayed and we got services through regional center. And we, you know, we've gone through multiple waves of like, okay, like it's a lot. So give him a little break. So, you know, I knew all along and I fought and fought and fought 
um, all these 10 years I have, you know, and, and I'm, I, I fight with a big, nice smile on my face because I'm so grateful to have everybody on his team. Like we have an all-star team and um, we are getting ready to gear up for the next fight. Our, um, our team recommended that he get a neuropsych evaluation. And it was a really extensive process, eight hours a day. And I'm going to be very candid the, that test was multiple, multiple, multiple thousands of dollars, like close to $10,000. And we talked to many different teams and they all had the same price because they there's only like six teams in California that can do it. So they all, you know, they all talk about it and they all share their rate anyway. So we have spent tens of thousands of dollars on therapy for him out of pocket. My son was just diagnosed up yesterday with multiple learning disabilities. I'll tell you what they call it because it's right here. Um, specific learning disorder with impairment in reading, reading fluency, reading comprehension, specific learning disorder with impairment in writing, clarity or organization of written expression, developmental coordination disorder, dysgraphia and dyspraxia and a whole list of other things too. So we were waiting for this test to come in. We did, he did four days, intensive eight hour, um, eight hours total, so two hours a day. He's 11 and um, he goes to meetings and therapy. We go to OT, we go to psychiatrists, we go to so much stuff every week. So I, I knew the neuropsych evaluation, they would help us kind of decode his brain. Um, but I was expecting, and my husband and I were both expecting to figure out his like learning modality, what was the best way to get through to him to learn, and then uncover like his hidden, hidden something, because there's not a lot that we can do with him. There's not a lot that interests him. There's not a lot that we can connect with him on. And it's very hard. And what we learned was that there just wasn't, at this point, there wasn't anything there. Um, they confirmed he's um, autistic and said that he sees the world in a very black and white way. He cannot process gray information. He cannot process feelings of others. Um, and I see him to be a very empathetic person, but he doesn't read social cues. He doesn't understand expressions on people's faces. He's been in a special program for autism for six years now. He is reading. He's in fifth grade. He's supposed to be in sixth. He's reading at a second grade level. He's falling so far behind. Um, he has generalized anxiety disorder, depression, which is heartbreaking, and I see it. And he has ADHD, which we've known about all of these things, but the way that they put it for us is that he struggles in every single aspect of his life. Every encounter, every task, Every situation is hard for him and gives him a level of anxiety that he can't 
it's like he's constantly trying to manage the anxiety. It is pervasive and overwhelming, and it's caused by the autism. They said the core of the artichoke is autism. And that it's not chemical, the, um, you know, anxiety, depression, it's not necessarily chemical, it's situational. He sees he doesn't fit in. There's a disconnect. People are, are always saying, you're so smart, but then every single thing is hard for him. He can't write, he can't read. So how does he qualify as smart when everything is hard? Why are people, then he doesn't trust what people are saying to him because he doesn't feel it or see it, see it himself. So there's so much to this. It was a 35 page report. Um, but the recommendation was that he cannot be mainstreamed any longer. He cannot be in public education any longer. And we have to make this change immediately, which means, you know, I need to find the right program for him. There's a lot of like, you know, it's like finding out the private school, uh, what's going to be the right approach to learning for him, um, getting an advocate, getting an attorney to help us. I mean, we are tens and tens of thousands of dollars into this just for this year. None of it reimbursable through our insurance yet. My husband is working on that. And the private schools that they're talking about are... You know, you look at that as post-tax income, it's, 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 it's overwhelming. And so I'm gearing up for battle and putting on my battle armor again and fighting for this kid. And there's a couple things here. Um, number one, my business is going to survive. I'm going to be able to go to IEP meetings, to take calls with lawyers, to go to our schools. No problem. No problem. My business will thrive. You know, even if I'm surviving, the business will thrive. And I built, I built that. I built it that way. And I can take him to the therapies he needs to go to in the middle of the day. I can give him the time support and the focus that he needs. You know, and I have another son too. And, you know, he's starting to like sense that this is, a real problem and it's affecting him too. Um, the other thing I'll say is that I'm extremely proud of myself for trusting my instincts. I've always known that, you know, there's more that we need to be doing. I knew there was something wrong. I knew he was delayed. I sensed that he was on the spectrum. And all along, everybody just wants to tell you everything's okay. It's all gonna be okay. And it is going to be okay, but you have to work at that. You have to intervene and make it happen. And, you know, I know that we were chosen to be his parents because we can go to bat for him. I know that, you know, but in the beginning when people were like, he's fine, everything's fine. No, he'll catch up. He's a late bloomer. That's not helpful. It's not helpful. I've been at mediation with LA Unified with my lawyer for 10 hours a day fighting for what he needs and we're about to go to battle because, I mean, just to be really candid, the schools that they're talking about for my son are $60,000 a year, $60,000 a year. That's $100,000 in pre-tax income. 
and he's going into, he's in fifth and he's going into sixth. So he's got, you know, eight years of this. So we can fight and see if we, you know, it's insane. It's, it's absolutely insane because it's a low, it's a small class size, small student to teacher ratio. They specialize in learning disabilities and kids on the spectrum. And I just, to bring it back to this conversation, um, my business will not suffer when I'm going to bat for my kid, when I'm taking him to all of the things that he needs to help him and support him and get him on the right track. I'm so proud of this business that I've built and the ability to see what's happening with my children and fight, advocate for him or his brother, um, get him what he needs. You know, and also there's the being able to afford it factor. It's going to be really, really hard. And we hope we get some kind of support through insurance or through the school district. But I've built a successful company that allows me the ability to give him what he needs. Both time-wise and support. So um, that's a huge deal. You just don't know. I never would have known that this is what life was going to throw at me, you know, and I'm a little bit um, extra emotional, I think, because we've been fighting and we thought we've been on the right path for 10 years. And I know the intervention has helped him, but I feel almost like we're starting over, like we're starting from scratch. And that's really hard. I know we're not. I know that we're not. And I know we've done all these things to help him. But this was like a crazy, I thought I was prepared, but I wasn't prepared to hear what we heard yesterday. And it really hit me hard. And my husband too, he was crying. You know, it's just mourning the loss of the parenting experience you expected to have and leaning into the one that you are having. This is a great kid. This is a great kid and he's gonna he's gonna be great. Um, this is also part of it. It's like, look, we're building these businesses that have to support our lives. And right now, this is the biggest thing I have going on in my life. And I'm going to battle, I'm going to bat. And the business is gonna keep, keep on going and pay the bills and bring me joy and bring me purpose and so. That's why for me, realizing that work-life integration, um, that the business has to support my life and what I want, what's important to me, that's my definition of success. And I feel really grateful and really fortunate that I find myself in this situation and I'm in the best possible situation to help this child and get him what he needs. This is what work-life integration allows you to do. You know, I could be a full-time mom. I could be the full-time advocate for my son and be the like PTA president. And, you know, I've been room mom and art docent and I've done all that stuff, but I need to work for my own sanity. I love it. it gives me purpose. Connecting with all of you gives me such a feeling of purpose. You have no idea. 
when I realize why I'm meant to connect and share what I have to offer, what my programs are allowing people to do, the kind of feedback we get from people every single day, I send them to my husband, I send it to my mom, and I send it to my team. Every single bit of feedback that we get fills me with such a sense of purpose. And I know that I'm meant to be here to share this with you. And part of that is sharing the troubles too, 